Hey friends, Ariana here from the Rainbow Dice Club. We're so excited to release this little interview series we've put together, and we hope you enjoy listening as much as we've enjoyed doing them. Get to know the cast and learn a bit about the characters we'll be playing in our inaugural campaign. Before we get to the fun stuff, here's a brief content warning. Today's episode includes profanity. Hello, friends. It's Lex. My pronouns are they, she. I am the DM for the Rainbow Dice Club podcast. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Zoop to do a quick little interview about her, about her character, and about her experience in D&D. So take it away, Zoop. Uh, hi, I'm Zoop uh, or Supriya, um, and you can find me as Zoop Machine or Zoop on most socials and other places, basically anywhere. If you type in Zoop Machine, that's me. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Ziva, the totally normal human whose pronouns are also she, her. Wonderful. So for your first question, so when did you start thinking about your character and like kind of what inspired your ideas for this character without giving away too many spoilers for who she is previously i had played a barbarian and a rogue and a couple other non-spellcaster archetypes and i wanted to play a spellcaster wizards seemed a little too difficult like a little bit too much like keeping track same with druid so it, it felt like sorcerer was like a really good intro into magic users in terms of like you only have like a set number of spells and my favorite of always is wild magic in in whatever like even my barbarian was a wild magic barbarian and the other thing is you know listening to critical role and also um even in the very first home game i played the DM had secrets from one of the characters, one of the characters, she had backstory that she couldn't remember. And so, and I love that in that home game. And I loved that in critical role, whenever they have a character where they can't, they, there's stuff that they don't know. So Molly mock, for example, and having that whole background. And I was really excited to get to play in a campaign where um, the DM would work with me to take my, you know, slight outline, um, and I know who she is now, but give me that fun little, like, surprise of something that, like, I don't know what to expect. And I'm, I'm just, I'm very excited about that. I am personally really looking forward to when you find some of the things that I have in store for this character. It's something that we briefly talked about in the act that we will briefly talk about in the actual game itself. Um, but for those of you listening right now, Zoop's character Ziva, Zoop essentially gave me kind of free reign to create whatever kind of like where she came from, not like complete free reign, but where she came. from. Yeah, where she came from, what her backstory is, stuff that she really might not even know about herself. And so I know a whole lot more about this character and some of the mechanics in her than even Zoop does. And, and I'm, I'm really excited. So excited. I'm really I'm excited, so excited for, for it. For you all to hear about it. And to be honest, this is the third iteration of this character. Um yeah. the first time I tried playing it, I don't know what the DM had in mind, but it fizzled very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think the DM even had 
I don't because we never we never really talked about it. So I don't think the DM had that much in mind. And the second one is a home game where we're playing uh, Call of the Netherdeep. And the DM is is much more focused on, you know, playing through the module than exploring these like backstories. So I don't think that that's ever really going to come to fruition. So this is this is really exciting to finally have this like have a DM to work with. Like, thank you so much. I love it. Um, All right. So at Leo R. Cherry and at Twin Steam, Leo R. Cherry on Twitter and at Twin Steam on Discord, ask what got you started in this game we call D&D? What's your origin story with this? Okay, so the very first time I played D&D was in high school. Um, And so this was probably uh, 3.5. And um, I think we only got like a couple sessions in, but I definitely enjoyed it. Then I was dating a guy for a while and he had like, there was a local game shop that he would go to games in. And so I joined a game or two that, wasn't Dungeons and Dragons, but it was another TTRPG, but um, it didn't really do m- much of the role playing. It was just more of the, you know, rolling and mechanics of it. And then for a while I didn't play. And then I found out that someone actually this, the, the same ex, we became friends afterwards, but he was leaving and he was leaving a home game that he was in. And the people who were in the home game were looking for new players to um, replace him and his wife. And I was like, oh, yes, I'm interested. And that ended up being really cool. And I think that would be the first time that I experienced people role playing, like actually playing the roles of their characters. A bunch of the people in the game were fans of Critical Role, so eventually, and and I believe that the the home game took place in Exandria, and so eventually, I think I probably listened to Taz first, but Taz and then Critical Role, then um, Nadpod, and it's just been like increasing the number, and I started learning more about how you can actually play roles. It's not just rolling the dice to see if your character succeeds or not, you can you can make a lot. And so now I get to play in a couple streamed games. I have some home games that I play in and uh, this fantastic podcast. And I'm, I'm so excited to really to really lean into the role play aspect. Yeah, this I think one of the big goals we all had with this podcast was, um, you know, really hyping up the role play aspect. You know, we made a couple change in, changes to some of the, the some of the mechanics, especially for your character with the wild magic to kind of allow that to fit more into a role play aspect rather than be like, oh, well, you have to do magic in order to trigger a wild magic surge. It's like, no, well, your character might act a certain way and that might trigger something. Yes. And. I got to say one of the most the things that I'm most excited about, and it's going to sound really weird, but one thing I've never experienced so far is like crying during a role (laughs) play, like being so devastated during a role play session. And I'm I'm just excited 
to finally experience that. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to. <laughs> that was something you told me very early on in this process. And it has since then been like a goal of mine to mess with your head just <laughs> enough where you're either laughing and crying or it, you're like genuinely upset about how things are, but not like in a like actual like scared kind of way that we need to like address. But in right. the sense of just like the tension being so high. Yes. Um. Yeah. All right. So let's see. At Zimbabwe on Twitter asked, did you play something you wanted to or did you play something that you thought would help balance out the party? Oh, 100% played what I wanted to. Um, there are times where I have uh, in different games like chosen, you know, who would fit well with what the party needs, especially when you enter in a game that's already uh, going on. So like the first home game that was in Exandria, it was like, OK, but what does the party need? But definitely this time I was like, no, this is what I want to play. I'm very excited again to have this chance to role play this specific character who I've been trying to have this revelation with. So I definitely put my foot down and this time it was like, <laughs> no, I'm playing a character. Anybody else you can try to fit in, but <laughs> I know who I'm playing. I think a lot of, I think a lo most of you guys, actually, no, all of you, I think, you know, you ended up playing really what you wanted to and just, you know, made adjustments for the fact that this is a collaborative thing and not just, you know, let's make the main, make your, our character the main character sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I I think that we've worked really well together and I think yeah. that um, we're definitely putting a lot of trust in you that, you know, if if let's say we don't have a healer that that you'll find a way to make sure that we have like healing capacity when we need yeah. it. No, I mean, we we talked about that stuff before we even started recording and I personally find combat to be really boring. and. I didn't want you guys choosing to be healers because or somebody choosing to be a healer just because they're like, oh, well, if we're going to be fighting, we need someone to heal us. I'm like, it's not going to be that much compared exactly. to the role play. And then also play what you want, because I'll make the world fit what we need. The other, like, that's the beauty of a, of a homebrew world. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of trust involved and a lot of just like faith in each other. There's a lot of communication, which is great. Uh, what would you say is, is there a difference for you playing online versus playing in person? And how does that translate to recording to a podcast for a podcast? Well, you know, the pandemic has changed everything. Definitely the very best thing is to play in person to like, I'll be around a table in a kitchen, uh, rolling dice together, have your minis, move them around. Definitely my favorite thing. But the pandemic changed everything. And now all of my games are online, like even ones where I know all the people and we all live close together and we could still meet in person. We're doing Call of the Netherdeep and the DM has a lot of stuff on Roll20, so we end up just playing on Roll20. And I definitely miss that closeness that occurs when you're playing together, but it's also really great to be able to connect with people even if they're far away. 
And it's not always like if you live in L.A., uh, and you're around a bunch of voice actors. It's very easy to find a bunch of people who can all show up in the same place at the same time regularly to to do a show. But otherwise, it's much harder if you live in in somewhere that somewhere else, like to find like the right people, unless you get really lucky. Yeah, to find the right people where you can all play all together at one table, and so. I, in some ways, we're really lucky to have the pandemic to, to have caused people to develop the infrastructure so that we can play, you know, a nice seamless game online. And what would you say is kind of like the main difference between you playing just your regular home game versus playing something for content? You mentioned like you also are in streamed games and other things, so you have a bit more experience than I do with this, the content uh, producing side of D&D. But what would you say is the difference between playing just for fun and playing for like producing content? So I think when you play to produce content, everybody has a similar goal, which is to produce good content. I mean, and to have fun and to play the game, but there is an agreement that you're going to be playing in a way that is going to produce good content. Whereas when you're playing at home, each person has their own goal as to what they think is fun. And so there's home games. And in one of my home games, uh, when I was playing Curse of Strahd, I found out later that I was actually annoying one of the other players because I was leaning so much into the role play and they were focused on winning. And so my role play would sometimes. There's no such thing as winning in D&D. But th this is, you know, in Curse of Strahd, winning is like beating, beating Strahd. Strahd. Right. So and he told me that what ended up happening is. I ended up kind of revolutionizing the way that he understood how to play D&D by like consistently choosing these inopportune ways of reacting that were much more about role playing than about what is the most strategic way to get us out of this situation. And he was able to come. And now now he is the person who role plays the second most to me Got in it. that game. But you know, before then, and there's definitely in my home games, there's definitely people who just they're not they're not there to role play or they don't feel comfortable in the role playing. They're they're much more interested in the mechanics of it. Okay. And so that's what I would say is the difference is that you really get to tell a more complete story. OK, yeah, I can see that because I know that like for me, at least it's always, it was really hard in the beginning to be really into the role play. Because at first you're just kind of like, this is weird. Do I like it? I don't know. Exactly. And the first the first home game that I played, as I said, when I was, you know, playing in high school and shortly after high school, I mean, I was it was much more the mechanics. It was much more, OK, what can my character, you know, more like a video game? What can my character do to defeat the situation? Um, and it was the first home game after that where we were playing in Alexandria, where I first met people who were a little bit more into the role play. And I definitely started out much more, again, just like tactical. What can we do to to survive the situation? And it was really by 
experiencing other content that I realized that there's another way to play. All right. I got two more questions for you. Uh, first one is from Morgan on our Discord. If you could pick one magical item for your character, what would it be? Any level of rarity. I personally hmm. don't know all of them off the top of my head, so like I don't know what right. what I would this think is, of. So this is hard. I think <laughs> um, I don't have a good answer for this, so I'll tell you some of the other magic items instead that like I've found to be very fun. So Ring of Jumping is like one of those ridiculous little items that like might seem really useless but as a barbarian i used it uh who like wanted to face problems head on used the ring of jumping an incredible amount so we were definitely fighting some sort of magic user who had the fly ability and my character's like oh there's a fountain i'm gonna jump up to that fountain and then i'm gonna take a flying leap into that lady and or I think we were at a a mill and we needed to get to the second floor. And it's like, oh, I have the ring of jumping. That's no big deal. A ring of jumping I have found to be incredibly useful. Just taking notes over here. What what magical items to what random magical items to throw out there for you? We have an ogre in one of our campaigns as an NPC. And we got a ring of jumping and we gave it to her and we're like, all you got to do is leap and land on someone and add the, you know, you'll have your striking damage and your falling damage. Oh, my like, God. Transfer that falling damage to the to the to the thing it's that they're falling to, on, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I did that on a, a rock or something like that as well nice. as jumped off of a parapet and transferred most of the fall damage. And as a barbarian, when you're raging, you also have your bludgeoning damage, so you can really, really take something out. Another one for if you are in a party of people who can all have, who all have dark vision and you do not, the um, lenses of, of night, like the night vision goggles, I forget what they're called, but that's clutch. <laughs> <laughs> No, that is clutch. That's great. I always find it funny, though, when it's like, especially with online games with virtual tabletops, where in one of my home games, like one of the characters is the only one that doesn't have dark vision. And we almost always forget until they're halfway through the sewer or the cave or something. And then we go, actually, wait, how did you know to do that? You can't see shit, man. You can't yeah. see anything. We all can see. So none of us thought to light a torch uh so my changeling in call of the nether deep uh doesn't have dark vision and everybody else does because it it takes place in in jorhas and in exandria and it was it really annoyed some of the other players that i had to keep lighting a torch <laughs> so well changelings are kind of that weird one like i like i looked into playing one at one point so i was trying to figure this out like some sources say that they can see in the dark, that they've got dark vision. Other sources say they don't. It's, it's right, very, right. It's very questionable. It's very yeah. Questionable. And in our case, we we said that there was no dark vision. And so, uh, you know, originally I learned like the sea and darkness spell. Gotcha. And but I had to. So I had to keep using that spell slot for that until the DM, 
you know, very, very kindly gifted me some of those night vision goggles so that I could I could swap it out for something a little bit more useful. All right. Well, for the last question that I have, if you could give advice to new D&D players as to, you know, best how how to best approach the game and how to be a like a wonderful addition to the table, what advice would you give them? So a couple things. I would say find out what your play style is. And there is no wrong play style. I mean, if your play style is to bully the other people, then yeah, you're wrong. But I mean, if you like more mechanics, if you like more fights, or if you like less fights and more role playing, if you you know, have a really good imagination and you need like very, you know, you can make use of really vivid descriptions of what's going on. Or if you're someone like me who can't imagine anything. And so like aphantasia and you just, you can't picture things. So like being told that the curtains are velvet red isn't going to do much for you. You know, learn what you need in a role-playing game and, you know, find people who can, who can, you know, match that. And, you know, don't be afraid to play with people who, who teach you new ways to play. So I ended up, I played more as a mechanics person and, and learned how to role play. And you can definitely learn how to role play, but if that's not for you, that's totally okay. And find a good game that, you know, allows you to, to play the way that you want to play. The other thing is, is don't limit yourself to D&D. If you can learn D&D, you can learn most other systems. So don't be afraid to try out other systems. D&D is, is really great for a certain kind of story and it's very big and you can, you know, people do a lot of homebrew to, to make it work in other, other ways. But like, you know, if you want a dystopian future, D&D isn't gonna serve you the best for that. Um, and there's a lot of other, a lot of other systems that are worth trying. So, so find one that you enjoy playing. And I think the biggest thing would be yes. And yes. And is the, like I mentioned, I mentioned that I'm a fairly new DM and anytime somebody, it comes up on Twitter or wherever where people are like, does anybody have any advice for someone who's interested in DMing? I'm like, get really comfortable with yes. And because it is, this is collaborative storytelling. Exactly. Yes, and is like one of the best ways to approach collaborative storytelling without being an asshole to everyone. It, yes, and like, honestly, that should have been my first thing. Yes, and because, you know, you need to, it, it doesn't work if someone's like, oh, that's a beautiful green cloak you're wearing. And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm wearing a red cloak. Like, what do you do with that? You know, you, you can't. You can't. And I mean, I had that recently in a game where my DM in that game said, like, you see a picture of your mother in a fencing, like having just won a fencing competition and, you know, she's holding a prize. And I was like, my character's mother would have been in India in like 1960s, 1970s, and therefore would not. Had, like, I don't think that they had fence and it's like, OK, but you just got to go with it. You just got to mm -hmm. say, you know what, there's we're fudging a little bit here. 
And it's like, oh, yes. Okay. Well, now my mother is a fencing champion as well. I think it's one of the best ways to kind of flesh out characters to just kind of being like, well, I'm going to throw something at you. What sticks? Yeah. One of the things that I'm, you know, that I really appreciate in like the different things that I listen, the different podcasts that I listen to and the different streams that I watch is when the DM is really good with when someone's like, I want to use my ability in this somewhat different way. And again, uh, an example of a DM doing that for me is when I jumped off the parapet to take out that frock and he's like, okay, you're doing that. So we're going to add your fall damage to the damage that you're doing to the rock. That's a good yes and. And I would agree with that personally, like as a DM, you know, I think you as the character would probably still incur a little bit of that falling damage depending on the height, but your body is falling to earth and essentially becomes a projectile that you can use as a weapon. So exactly, why exactly. wouldn't that damage also apply to what you're hitting? But I mean, if you have a very rigid mindset yes. and you're very rules as written focused, you might not be able to see that. So the yeah, yes and rules are meant to be broken. Yes. I mean, we're playing a we're playing a homebrew, a very homebrew setting where I'm just kind of like, I don't like that. We're going to change it. So I'm I'm a bit of a pessimist towards rules as written for everything, but they're good guidelines. They're good guidelines. All right. I know a lot of Ziva's story is filled with spoilers, but what's something you can tell us about Ziva before we go? One of the very first things that you're going to learn about Ziva is that she's an aerialist. Oh, yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so that actually sprung up. So I did not grow up as an athletic child. So the fact that I have like characters that have these athletic traits is surprising. But the aerials came from, I actually started taking an aerials class and it is the most amazing thing. If you have a chance to take an aerials class and you like being up in the air or you like going upside down or spinning, if you liked swings as a kid, try aerials. It's a lot of fun. It does take a lot of strength, but that was where that inspiration specifically came from is just how much fun I was having doing that. And so that's a, there, there are a lot of great ways to incorporate whatever's going on in your life to go along with your games. No. And I think we, we see that with Ziva pretty quickly on, like, I think in the second episode, We'll get a whole description of her aerial prowess and her performance. And it's it's really obvious in listening to it that you, Sapria, you know what you're talking about when you're describing this I've stuff. I've watched a lot of performances. <laughs> yeah, so you've watched it, you've done it, you've you've been a part of it versus if I were to try and describe, like there's a reason I asked you to describe your performance. I'm like, I don't know shit <laughs> about aerial performances. I don't watch it. Not It's just because it's never something that crossed my mind. Yes, that's... And... Holy crap, what you described is amazing. (laughs) So I'm excited for other people getting to hear that and incorporating some of your guys' personal lives into these characters. Absolutely. In that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited for you to meet Ziva. The other thing I'm very excited about is I know that you're a DM that's going to work with the fact that she's very charismatic and is going to remember that. 
because I am not the most charismatic person. So <laughs> Ziva may not come across as very charismatic, but in the world, she is. <laughs> I'm not either. And I habitually play characters that are not very charismatic, apart from my uh, my one shot boy, Thad. Yeah. And and I think I think that you're going to be good at just remembering that just in general, Ziva is yeah. extremely charismatic with her her charisma of 20. So she she can yeah, get Zoop, away. Zoop rolled Zoop rolled annoyingly oh, well yeah. for her stats. Very well. And then, it was so on I, camera, of, <laughs> which I'm really glad it was about. all on camera. So we all had to verify it. And it was and I also required everybody to take at least they had to get at least one negative modifier. So whatever your lowest was, if it wasn't a negative modifier, you got a nine right off the bat. So you'd have a negative one. And she got like nothing lower than I think like a 12, 12 was my lowest. Yep. Yeah. 12 was her lowest. So everything's like at least a plus one. And then she gets an 18, which immediately goes to charisma. Yeah. I was just like, and okay. Cool. We're going to turn one of those 16s into a nine. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I think we turned one of the 12s into the No, nine, we turned we? one of the 16s you... into a nine. Oh, right. Yeah. you Because you had like three 16s, yeah. an 18, and a 12. Yeah. It was it was ridiculous. So beyond the, beside the point, Ziva's amazing. I'm very excited. We can't wait to learn more. And I can't wait for everyone else to get to know the character, get to know Zoop. and. I hope you all enjoyed learning more. Thank you so much. And just as a reminder, Zoop, could you just throw out your socials one last time for everyone? Yeah, it's Zoop Machine, Z-O-U-P, and then the word machine. Um, and that's really the place to find me anywhere. All right. Thanks, Zoop, for talking to us about Ziva and letting us know more about your history with TTRPGs. I know that we're all incredibly excited to have the podcast actually start in a few weeks. So until then, remember that wherever you are in your journey, you are valid, you are accepted, and you are welcome at our table. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye.